Hey everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in to the this week's episode of Talking Taker, episode number six. But uh, before we get started on the episode, uh, we actually already recorded this episode a couple weeks ago, SummerSlam 1992. Um, so, but there's some breaking news over the weekend. Uh, unfortunately, learning about the passing of the legendary WWE Hall of Famer Bobby the Brain Heenan and. To Travis and I, he's just uh, one of our absolute all-time favorite uh, wrestling performers, and he's really been a uh, actually a pretty important part of the first few episodes of this podcast. So we thought it'd be important to, or or not important, but we just wanted to say a few words and share our memories and share our condolences uh, before this episode started. So I mean, Travis, like we've been talking about. Uh, literally in, in in every episode, I think except the first one, because uh, he's not on commentary for that first match. But every other episode, uh, we've just had so many awesome things to say about Bobby the Brain Heenan. And what have you really uh, seen and learned through going through these first few episodes? Um. Well, yeah. I mean, he's always been great in my book because you know, as we mentioned in the first podcast, I didn't watch. I watched some when I was little and then kind of fell away and then came back to it and in and out and then kind of really came back on strong in about 96, 97. I was a WCW guy at that point, so he was in WCW there. and I, He was great and hilarious then, but, you know, as years went by, I'd go back and watch WWF stuff. And, um, and then, obviously, with the network, we have more accessibility. And so he's just going back and watching some of these classic matches. He's just absolutely, literally had me laughing out loud and rolling on the ground, you know, um, and uh, it's been really eye-opening and ear-opening going back and uh, doing these Talk and Taker matches. And just like you said, we've commented about his commentary in every single podcast we've done because we both of us make notes usually about the same thing, about these stupid little quotes he says or right. his dumb things or just the way he interacts and improvs. You can tell he's just shooting from the hip, you know. And the way he improvs a girl monsoon and their, and their chemistry and how good it is. And um, with him passing, it just really... I don't know. I didn't know the guy, <laughs> but it kind of hit me hard. And thank you too. And it's just really sad to to know that he's gone, especially because now we've kind of just kind of had a resurgence in our love for him. You know, these last few weeks, it's going to take a different life now as we continue to do these matches and um, and hear him. Uh, we're still going to reminisce and, and point out the hilarious things, but now uh, you know he's gone, and it's just kind of hard to think about, weird to think about. But um, I want to mention one thing. He said, you know, WWE put a great thing on their website about, you know, just some classic uh, one-liners he had and stuff. And one of them involves The Undertaker. And so I wanted to bring that one up. And he says, uh, I don't know if this is in a match that we're going to review or not because it doesn't have the, the matches here. But it says, you know, The Undertaker's going to start a new basketball team. Yeah, it's for guys six feet and under. And, like, <laughs> that's, just, that's like a lame dad joke. But, like, it's so funny. I, I can just hear him delivering that line. You know, he's got the dramatic pause, and he just says it. And, you know, the reaction from Gorilla or, or Vince, whoever it is he's saying it to, I'm sure it's hilarious. So yeah. I want to go find where that's from, uh, and we can listen to it. But it's that's just hilarious. Yeah, I read that one online, too. and I, I didn't remember that one, but that's just a, that's a great joke, great one-liner. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> one of my favorites, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Is, uh, and I listened to this last night. I watched his uh, documentary on the, on the network, and... And I remember this quote, but it just, you know, he has so many good things. You don't, you don't, you don't remember them all, you know, but then, um, he's talking about Stu and Helen Hart. He says, you know, his name is Bruce, right? What a stupid name. You have nine months. You come up with Bruce. Like it's completely like, it's just, it's not even getting like, I don't know. It's just, that's just funny, man. Like, 
I don't even think he's supposed to say that, you know? I'm not, there's definitely nobody feeding him that line through his headset. And I don't think that he was supposed to be healing on Bruce at that point, but like, it's just, <laughs> he that's just, just did it. Yeah, Always... Nine months you come up with Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I love the one where he's, um, talking like some interviewed some guy in the crowd and he says like how long you been married and the guy says 20 years he says you know if you killed her on your wedding night you'd be out by now it's just like it's so so savage and so you can't say that nowadays oh god no and watching him uh when he had his bobby heenan show and he had the three large ladies on there i mean he just ripped them it was just all fat shaming the whole time i mean nowadays good lord no you could be all over him yeah about that you know it's just but he's so funny and so quick and that's just i don't know you and i always loved, loved improv and we used to do that kind of stuff you know just for fun back in the day and just hearing him and now he's just so quick-witted and everyone on that documentary the documentary came out i think seven or eight years ago yeah so, um, i remember wasn't uh, buying the dvd when it first came out yeah, yeah i remember watching it with you um great but like you know even everyone there said you know he's just he was so quick and he could have been mm-hmm. he could have been um it had his own late night talk show, you know, that had nothing to do with wrestling. I, I really do believe that. Yeah. He's so funny. I do believe that too. I believe his sense of humor, his comedy could, could stand next to uh, a lot of comedic actors yeah. uh, and that sort of stuff. And he could have been on par with a lot of them. Um, I, I retweeted, I, I can't remember if it was on my account or the talking taker account. There's some interview with, uh, David Letterman where he talks about yeah. watching Bobby Heenan when, when he was a kid and, and how funny he was. And, yeah. Uh, what a great heel he was. Uh, I retweeted on my account on at Alex Dorio. There's this newspaper article, uh, I think from Chicago. Uh, I don't I don't remember exactly which city, but it's from the '70s when he was with Nick Bockwinkle and um, uh, Ray Stevens. Yeah. yeah, and he he's talked about this story in other interviews or something. But he was such a hated heel that literally. A guy in the crowd tried to shoot him and sent guns yeah. and shot a gun like five times towards the <laughs> ring and hit somebody. And there's this whole write up in the newspaper about oh, it. I mean, that, that, that is, is being right a heel now. right there. That's legendary yeah. status. Um, yeah, you talk about improv. Um, I really do like, uh, I've thought this a long time before now um, because obviously. You know, Bobby Heenan's been in real bad health for a long time. Um, yeah, we've kind of known this was coming for sure. a long time. It's still, it's still gonna be sad, uh, but you know, I, it's been sad to see him in the last yeah, few years. Yeah, it too. is, and I'm glad he's not suffering anymore. Yeah. But uh, you know, I've, I've just thought about his legacy, and I really do think as a kid, as a five, six, seven year old kid watching Bobby Heenan, he really molded my sense of humor in a lot of ways. He was like one of the first sure. really, really funny people. Uh, I saw, and he helped me learn that sort of style of improv comedy, of of insult comedy in a lot yeah. of ways. And you and I, uh, being in ministry together, uh, we've uh, and acting together, but really, uh, we were in this ministry called Young Life, and um, uh, and also in our churches, we've gotten to uh, do do a lot of skits and games, and play a lot of goofy characters and wear costumes. And I really, I honestly do, I think about. Bobby Heenan, when I when I try to come up with characters, and I think about uh, Roddy Piper and Jerry the King Lawler, like those are like three comedic characters that I try and and I'm influenced by, and think about how they performed when I'm trying to play a bad guy or something like that. Uh, it really had a real big impact on me and what I do uh, in my career. So um, 
you know, I just really appreciate his legacy and his contributions to wrestling and, and just to, to to comedy and to life in general. Man, he, he's yeah. a legend. Uh, everybody says he's one of the nicest guys uh, in the business too. Just a great guy to be around and and to hang out with. And uh, to tie it back to to talking Taker, um, like you know, watching back these matches, it it really cements his reputation everybody calls him the greatest but and and when you go back and watch it he lives up to the reputation but he has done a huge huge um service to the undertaker in these matches he has put him over in incredible ways he has helped build the mystique and the legacy and the character of the undertaker um it's not you know not to not to crap on the new guys and the new generation but sometimes now the commentary we we've talked about before, it it doesn't take it seriously, right. or or it tries to veer into, it tries to break kayfabe too much, and and Bobby Heenan doesn't do that at all, and it really no. has helped build up this character. Yeah, as as hilarious and funny as he is, I don't I mean, there's not a lot of quips like that one Undertaker comment I mentioned earlier. We haven't heard it yet, you know, as far as us going through these matches, you know. So I don't know if that comes later or if it's on a you know a raw or whatever, but he's he's he stays pretty serious. You know he knows when to hit the spots, when to pick the comedy spots, when to be serious. And you're right, he has really solidified the Undertaker and his character and really put him over. He keeps talking about what's in the urn, you know, talking about Paul Bear, there's the power of the urn. And I think after every match, we keep commenting that he's like, no one's going to stop this guy. Yes. This guy's unbeatable. No yes. one's going to stop him. How are you going to stop the Undertaker? Um, so yeah, he really has. You know, to tie it all back to this podcast we're doing. He really has, you know, really helped build uh, this Undertaker character, and uh, I don't know if it'd be the same without him, you know, taking it seriously. So, thanks, Bobby Heenan. Yeah, thanks, and um, you know, it's the combination with, with Gorilla Monsoon is one of the greatest yeah. of all time. Maybe the greatest. Uh, definitely, I'd have to say my favorite uh, of all time. That's not a controversial opinion, but uh, nope. That's uh, <laughs> what our, I mean, our childhood. We grew up on, you know, we Jim did. Ross, and, yeah, and. Uh, and uh, Jerry Lawler, you know, yeah. for our teenage years and stuff, and they'll always be classic. But even Jerry Lawler said on that DVD, um, he said, you know, people tell me, you know, me and JR are the best. And I say, no, we're not. It was Gorilla Monsoon <laughs> and Bobby Heenan, and wow. I think he's right. You know? Yeah. So, absolutely. And luckily for us, we do have, I think, I guess, five more uh, matches with, with uh, Gorilla and Bobby on commentary, including today's episode with uh, Summer Slam 92. So we've got. Survivor Series 92, WrestleMania 9, SummerSlam 93, Survivor Series 93, uh, where we still get to enjoy that commentary team. Um, so we'll continue to praise them, and uh, maybe we'll comment on it a little bit more as we get to that sure. final yeah. final match uh, with, with Bobby on commentary. But I'm sure it'll be a big part of it. We'll continue to throw some clips in there uh, <laughs> yeah. of his commentary calls uh, to, to just to, to make everybody else laugh and just to celebrate his legacy. But, um, yeah, just, uh, feel free to share with us your favorite Bobby Heenan memory or, or favorite uh, comment about The Undertaker or something like that or just any great Bobby Heenan memories that you've got on our Twitter page. Uh, but we're going to jump right into the rest of the episode right now.
Welcome to the grandeur. Welcome to the spectacle. Welcome to the pageantry of Talking Taker. <laughs> Had to try that out. This Thanks, man inspired man. me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love how he used to do that at the beginning of pay-per-views. He'd always yeah. do, welcome to this, welcome to that, welcome to the Survivor Series, or whatever. Right, before they had Pyro and stuff, and now they don't do anything. <laughs> Who needs Pyro when you have Vince McMahon just... Exactly. That should be his only job on screen nowadays. He should just do that for all the network shows. That gets me more excited than Pyro does. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it does. But for real, welcome back to Talking Taker, our uh, exploration, uh, digging up the career of the dead man, The Undertaker, match by pay-per-view match. My name is Alex Dorio, joined alongside my tag team partner, uh, the urn bearer himself, uh, Travis White. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. My brother actually was named after Paul Bear, so not, not true. My brother's <laughs> name is Paul, though. <laughs> who, oh, out there. who is he? Who does he share a name with, though? Uh, the Big Show. Yes, he does. My brother and The Big Show have the same name, so it's awesome. That was always cool in middle school. I could tell people that. So Yeah. Did uh, anyone ever mistake him for The Big Show? Uh, I did, because I was much smaller than him. So. <laughs> and he chokeslammed me a lot. So. But yeah. Didn't people call your house looking for Paul White? Somebody did one time, yeah. Yo, this is The Big Show? This big sh- no, this is not the big show. I completely forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, yeah. Someone called. That's what I was trying to lead you into. And like, I was in middle school or high school. and called looking for the big show. You know, just the big show. No, it is Paul White though. I'm surprised your brother didn't roll with that though. He oh, should. I'm sure if he'd have been there, he would have. Um, I think I was on the phone. Oh, you answered. Was- okay. Yeah, I believe okay. I answered the phone. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, he, he definitely would have gone with it. Yeah. Uh, the clean-shaven Big Show, of course. Uh, oh, the big naked baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're recording this uh, a few weeks before you're here. We're, we're backlogging some episodes because we won't be able to record in the next couple weeks. But Travis has on his Georgia Bulldogs shirt. I got on my Clemson Tigers shirt. And this is Clemson just won their first game of the season, Georgia. Let's uh, cross our fingers for them going up against yeah. App State later tonight. I don't want to jinx it. So, I won't say anything positive or negative. Maybe I can edit it <laughs> yeah. in later that they we'll definitely won. Yeah, no dogs. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but uh. we are recording this in between games and getting ready for all that and ready. You know, I you can tell I'm just trying to avoid talking about what we actually have to talk about here today. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> our next pay per view match of the Undertaker. We finished WrestleMania eight and we cruised through the summer. Uh, man, it was nice when you only had four pay-per-views a year to cover instead of yeah. one every three weeks. But uh, make it all the way to August for the SummerSlam you thought you'd never see, as Vince McMahon calls it on this show, SummerSlam 1992 from Wembley Stadium. Yeah, August 29th, 1992. I think it aired two days later, though. I believe yeah, that's what I read online, tape so. delay. I, I know, obviously it wasn't going to air live because it had been like, whatever three in the morning here or something but um but i wish they would do this now oh yeah they could totally wish, do it now. no reason with the network they can't do a wrestlemania well maybe not mania but a SummerSlam mm-hmm. in in england again there's no reason it, you can do it just like beast from the east and have people wake up early or everything's on demand anyway so what's the problem if they don't watch it you know right when it airs I right just, and this was such a spectacle i, I wrote that down it's one of my notes it's just over eighty thousand people there man it was awesome. 
so many people there. Such a spectacle to see. Again, another precursor to some of the WrestleManias we see nowadays. So Yeah. So what? what London is like five hours there. They're ahead of us. Probably right? five, yeah, five hours yeah, from Eastern time. Yeah, so why not? They could do have a pay-per-view at 8 o'clock London time. It just starts at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on, on WWE Network yeah. like in, in, in the U.S. Like That would be fine. Like you said, yeah. I mean, I think they could still do it for WrestleMania. I think people are going to watch WrestleMania no matter what, whether it's well, afternoon or night. It starts at like 2 anyway. Exactly. <laughs> Free show. But definitely for SummerSlam, much less uh, one of these other b shows or c shows like i can't believe we haven't done that yet in the past three years of wwe network and i was thinking man it'd be cool to do this for like the 25th anniversary but that would have been a couple months ago (laughs) they should have done this again but maybe for the 30th anniversary or something because it was incredible to look at like yeah a lot of the past few wrestlemanias of the past 10 years or so are just amazing spectacles and i think the Wembley Stadium look it rivals that even without Absolutely. the massive stages and everything. It just looks amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. And those UK fans are are nuts, and they were nuts even back then too. So you know how rowdy they get nowadays for NXT and the you know the shows, the, the two tours they do over there after WrestleMania and after well in November I think they go back. So this would be great nowadays to put it on. Oh um, yeah, they were rowdy and wild, and uh, I just skimmed through a little bit of the show like I, I i try to do just skimming through some of the other events on the show before we get to the match and uh landed on natural disasters versus the beverly brothers and Bo and uh who's the other one Bo and blake blake yeah i've been watching wrestling for 20 some years i still don't know which one is Bo and which one is blake nope. and, and i never <laughs> will uh but they were insanely loud for the natural disasters man they loved i think they were the loudest pop i heard the whole show dude they loved them just like earthquake man but uh that's just saying the crowd was electric for everything even that match they were crazy for so that was cool and this match uh this undertaker match is i liked i wrote down it's it's, it's in the come down match you know Mm -hmm. the breather match in between because the match Right prior to this was uh, Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, right? WWF Championship match, yep. Yeah, and that was, uh, it ended in some shenanigans, you know, uh, with Flair and I think uh, Mr. Perfect, right? Right. Out there as well. But, um, yeah, you know, chair shot to the leg and all this stuff, and the crowd was real. But it was a, that was a big, big match. Mm-hmm. And then the main event, of course, is one of the greatest intercontinental matches of all time, yeah. Bret Hart and British Bulldog, and that place just went berserk for that match. But um, but so this match, this Undertaker Kamala match is on the the, the cool down spot. This is the go to the bathroom or you know let's get some energy back and go, go get some popcorn or whatever. Uh, well, unfortunately, but um, yeah, cause, so Undertaker's gone from beating Jake the Snake at WrestleMania to <laughs> six months later he's wrestling Kamala. He's basically feuding with Harvey Whippleman, yeah, um, former women's champion. Of legendary. Well, at this point, he wasn't a woman, but future women's champion. Yeah, future women's champion at this point. Um, so he feuds again. We apologize for the next few episodes of this. We got some Kamala matches, some Giant Gonzalez matches, um, but it is what it is. We're not going to stop just because that's the way the story's told. So, and it's a um, very you know, it, it's it's a pivotal moment really for the Undertaker's career because. Like you say, he's dispatched of the uh, of Jake the Snake Roberts and gone from feuding with him and Hulk Hogan 
and that sort of stuff. And now um, he's essentially, you could argue without Hulk Hogan here for the next little while, and, and Hulk Hogan comes back for a couple months, but essentially Hulk Hogan's basically gone from the company. Undertaker is arguably the biggest star in the company. I mean, Bret Hart's the WWF champion, but I mean, you could debate which one of those guys was more over uh, at this point. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shortly after this, because Savage is gone, Warrior's gone. Yeah, you got Savage. Hogan's yeah. gone. Uh, I mean, shortly after this, is when they all leave and uh, the steroid trial and stuff. But um, but yeah, you're right. Between Bret Hart and then because uh, Shawn Michaels would have been a heel uh, later on. I think he turned on. Uh, Marty in December, or maybe December before this. I can't remember. Yeah, but, um, yeah, he's already a heel. Yeah. So point. anyway, he's not a face. So yeah, between Bret Hart and Undertaker, I think you're right. He's the biggest name they got. And, and uh, he's almost well. We, I mean, he's not in the WWF title picture hardly ever. So he's almost already at that point where he doesn't need the title to be right. over. I mean, Bret Hart. I mean, I love Bret Hart. He's one of my favorite wrestlers, but he definitely needed the title to be over right. more than. The Undertaker did so now. Undertaker has almost slipped into the Hogan role of just fighting the monster of the week, like the big giant Very monster. Yeah. And Undertaker ends up doing that for more or less the next four years or so. Like this feud is the template <laughs> for so many Undertaker feuds, where he's up against a monster who's afraid of caskets and afraid of urns and stuff. <laughs> And they just cycle this feud out so many times, but this is the first time we see that that template for that thing against Kamala, the Ugandan giant. Yes, yes, very true. And yeah, Harvey Whippleman's out. Uh, Doctor Harvey. Doctor Harvey Whippleman, if you will. And he's got. Uh, he introduces them, accompanied by Kimchi. From the dark continent of Africa to the bright lights of the World Wrestling Federation. The bright lights of Wembley Stadium and the bright spotlight of SummerSlam. I want everybody to show proper respect for the Lord of the Jungle, the Ugandan Giant, the Mighty Kamala. Certainly a scary sight here in Wembley Stadium. And you know, like he says, he's going to put The Undertaker in a pot and cook him. Oh, my gosh. You can't say that on television, kids. <laughs> Shouldn't have said it back then. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Shouldn't have said it back then. But the Uganda giant, Kamala. So, um, Kim Chi. Do you remember who Kim Chi was? Who, who played him? Uh, I think it was uh, old uh, Steve Lombardi. Yeah, Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah. A company man who, unfortunately, was fired last year. For, yeah. For Lord knows why, so... Uh, did everything the company asked of him, but anyway, but yeah, how comes you got a giant Kamala? What do you What do you think of What's your opinions on Kamala? I will tell you this: he is as into his character as the Undertaker is. I, I noted that you know he's a little hokey. This is the time of you know WWF. Shortly after this, we're going to get Duke the Dumpster and Doink the Clown and all that kind of stuff, and right. so we're already kind of headed toward the cartoons. Um, Undertaker may have been supposed to have been a cartoon, but he's he's not. He, he makes oh yeah, it more real. he but transcends Kamala, it. Kamala is into it, man. I, I noted that. You know, he's he's he plays it well. He's got his little trainer. He's got Kim Chi leading him down there. I mean, it's he's he puts it over himself. You know, and by him being into it, the crowd takes it seriously. 
It's not like when Lord Tensai came out and uh, the crowd just kept chanting <laughs> Albert and A Train at him, you know. Um, you know, talking about like, yeah, so, a... this is you know Kamala's out there and it's believable, you know, slapping his belly and has his little paint on and everything, and he plays it well, you know. That's a great comparison. I, I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's <laughs> I think that's a perfect <laughs> comparison of the opposite of Kamala because, you know, he'd been playing, he'd been Kamala for. Years and years, he started in Memphis and Mid South and all that stuff. You can, I watched this thing on YouTube today. I, I spent a lot of today watching Kamala videos on YouTube, <laughs> just promos and just went down the Kamala rabbit hole. So yeah. that's how my life is going right now when my wife is out of town. Yeah, uh, I swear I'm married, people, but um, <laughs> uh, as am I, and mine's out of town as well. So. Yeah, there you go. Likely story. Both of our wives are out of town. They just happen to be out of town. Uh, well, anyway, he's uh, there's this video of his first promos in Memphis, and I've heard Jerry Lawler talk about his ideas for Kamala getting inspired from National Geographic magazines yeah. and all this sort of stuff before. But it's it's worth watching Kamala's debut promos in Memphis. He's just out in the woods with his face paint, and the announcers are like, Kamala, six foot nine inches tall, Kamala. 
it's just part of wrestling not making excuses for it it, it is what it is yep, and for it's what, what it's it worth if you're gonna play a, an african savage he does a pretty outstanding job yeah. of committing to it uh and, and and being all in on his character uh yeah. and at least we can say that about him because he sure as heck can't wrestle nope <laughs> Nope, nope. This match is, uh, th- yeah, like I said, three minutes and 27 seconds, so he didn't have to wrestle very long, which is a good thing. But um, this is one of the, another notable thing about this match is as soon as the gong goes off for Undertaker, I mean, that crowd erupts. Oh, yeah. I think all 80,000 people probably on their feet, you know. And this is one of the, this is the beginning of Undertaker's really cool walks to the ring, really cool entrances, you know. He comes out here. Not quite well, a walk. Well, not quite a walk yeah, at that point. Yeah, right. Paul Bear, poor guy, he has to walk <laughs> yeah, in front of the hearse ride. holding the urn. Yeah, <laughs> the old fat guy with too much makeup on has to walk in front. But then Undertaker comes out in a hearse. He's hanging out the back of a hearse. Um, really cool sight. I, I wrote, just, oh, yeah. what a spectacle, you know? Absolutely. Again, uh, really I, cool sight to see. He's had a lot of great entrances that we'll get to, but this is right up there with the best of Oh, yeah. It's awesome. I'm surprised they never redid it. Or I know. Reused it I was or very surprised. It was really and cool. And Bobby Heenan, again, classic. He goes, look at that idiot. The steering wheel's on the wrong side. <laughs> the guy driving. <laughs> oh, he's so good. He's so good. Yeah, that was but great. But I will you, say. Oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. Oh, it was Heenan and Vince, my man, are both putting Kamala and Taker over as scary and giants. And not not savages, but, you know, not not human, not, uh, not normal. So uh, they did a good job with that, you know. Getting, if this is the first time you ever saw them. Um, you know, you, you'd really be terrified of both of them, even though Undertaker is a, is a baby face at this point. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, so, we look at Kamala as kind of goofy a little bit now, but I guess I watched a promo of him with Harvey Wolfman Kimchi, and it's in the middle of the arena, and he's like intimidating Mean Gene, and he's got his spear and his mask, and uh, <laughs> there's there's a girl crying in the front row, like, and wow, she like yeah. turns to her mom, and she's terrified of Kamala, so, you know, it it, it did his, he did his job, uh, and he is a monster here, uh, as insensitive as that is, I mean, that's the role he's playing, and, and he played yeah. it up. Uh, but I was going to say about the entrance, this is also kind of the tr- start of the tradition of having to wait till it's dark to do the Undertaker's match, uh, oh, yeah. which we see a lot of the WrestleManias, uh, not only because he's a big star, but, you know, <laughs> it's not the Undertaker's entrance if it's not dark right. outside. So with these big outdoor right. shows, that's, you know, that's part of why he ends up going on second to last twos. You got to get the darkness outside. So interesting yeah, start to that. I didn't think about that mm-hmm. for this match. Very cool. Not a lot of scientific wrestling. Nope, nope. A couple throat chops. And Kamala attacks from behind at first and uh, knocks uh, you know, chops, chops Undertaker over and over, and the crowd's going nuts for uh, Taker coming back and chopping him, and he goes for old school pretty much immediately. Yeah. What we call old school. Again, the, the arm the, the arm ring, walk the top rope, does that, and hits it. Um, goes for uh, it again, and yep. then... Harvey Whippleman, straight in front of the referee, yep. shakes the ropes and gets Undertaker <laughs> off. Should have been disqualification. Yeah. Should have been DQ right there, but Kamala pulls him down again. As we mentioned in the previous podcast, you can't go for that move twice in the same match. No. Nope. You can't go into the well one too many times. Kamala pulls him down. Um, but then Undertaker goes outside. I don't forget how they got outside, but anyway, he attacks Kim Chi and Whippleman, uh, both outside, and Go back inside, and this is what I... We haven't seen this move yet until right now. 
the chokeslam. Yes. It is a huge chokeslam. Yes. Because Kamala is, is he Ugandan giant? He's big. And the announcers so, are saying, I don't think he can get him up, and he yeah, gets him up. Immediately so. he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, was kind of like the other week when, yeah, yeah no, never mind. Uh, yeah, I was going to talk about Monday Night Raw, but we're not going to talk about that. But anyway, yeah, he just, okay. I'm not sure if he can get him up. And, uh, yep, he gets him right up and choke slams him. But it was really cool because, again, we've mentioned in the previous podcast where lots of choking, lots of throat thrusts and stuff like that, but no choke slam yet. Well, here it is. You know, and this is probably him. not. I mean, he's probably added it in sometime over the summer, sure. but this is the first time we're seeing it in the pay per views. So, right. because they re- they were talking about it like he he would do it. So, yeah, this yeah. is the first time we've seen it. So that's a cool moment exactly. for this. And then he hit, hits a dive and lariat after that, and again the crowd just they they never don't pop for that that move. You know? Yeah, and I, I still do even oh, when great. he was at WrestleMania. You know, the last several doing it, it's awesome to see him do that. Yeah. So, but so apparently, I mean, Chokeslam wasn't his finisher at this point. It wasn't an alternate finisher because he doesn't mm-hmm. try to cover him. You know, he just does it and then immediately does a dive and layer it after that. So, um, but then he goes for his neck. I guess he's hitting his five moves of doom in a row. He goes <laughs> for the Chokeslam, the layer, and then he goes for Tombstone. But then, uh, oh, uh, what's his name? Kim Chi. Kim Chi. He hits him with his hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Takes off his safari hat and hits him with. <laughs> But apparently it's a like a plastic hat, so I guess that's a little bit better than hitting him just with a with a, uh, it's like a trucker bucket hat. hat. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. a helmet, I guess. Yeah, so more of a helmet. <laughs> but that this this calls for the DQ. I guess the ref has had enough at this point. Yeah, that's we've all had DQ. enough at this point. Yeah, so Undertaker's got to win here because of disqualification, and um, the match was very quick. And what transpires after the match is probably takes as much time mm-hmm. as the match actually does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Kamala, <laughs> this I kind of love this. Uh, I think someone needs to bring this back. He he goes down for the uh, for just a regular splash. Um, to do it, does he do it from the bottom rope or does he just do it from the it, ground? No, he just does it on the ground. Okay. He bounce, runs against the rope like Ultimate Warrior would have done. Yeah, he does that. It's a big splash on the ground, and he goes up to the second rope. It's a splash, mm-hmm. same splash from the second rope, and then third time goes all the way up to the top rope. Yep, it's it does a it. splash. It's so good. But if you notice, note the crowd didn't have to chant one more time, one more time. He yeah. just did it. You know, it was, it was part of what he's going to do. So, um, yeah, I thought it was really cool. Someone needs to do that. Do that yeah, someone should do that nowadays. I feel like Umaga would have done that back in the day. Yeah, know, that would have worked. Rest in peace. But uh, someone should do that now. Someone big like uh, Bray uh, Wyatt or something. <laughs> The uh, heavy machinery guys. Should oh yeah, those guys. Back. I can't even pronounce their names. Yeah, but, uh, yeah they should do it. I could see them great. doing that. That'd be stupid for them. Yeah. but, but the stupid time, in a good Under- way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Undertaker's laying on the ground the whole time though. I mean, he's selling it. Oh so yeah. It's not like he doesn't do the sit up immediately between each one. I think it's uh, the longest sell- we've seen him down and out yeah. from something. So he's doing his part to put over Kamala and how you know how how destructive he can be, even mm-hmm. though he got DQ'd, you know and. Um, he sells it, but then he does the sit-up after the third, you know, splash and just stares Kamala down, who then begins just running up the aisle, like, scared out of his mind. Again, he's playing that, you know, uh, uncultured, you know, mm-hmm. savage type. You know, he, he doesn't understand, you know, humanity, so he's just scared of this, you know, Undertaker, and he just literally runs up the aisle he as has Taker the... basically stalks him, like yeah. Michael Myers would have. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> stalks him up the aisle. 
Kamala has the greatest facial reaction I've yes. ever seen in my life. Just, I just can't get over his look of fear and shock yeah. when he saw the Undertaker sit up. It is worth the price of admission. It was worth watching this terrible match just to see oh, that yeah. facial reaction. It was uh, amazing. And why Kamala, you know, look, it's, I don't know, man. I, I he not a better wrestler than like a Jinder Mahal or something like that, not to keep picking on him, but way more personality and character yeah. than a lot of people nowadays. Him would be an, one example, but you could pick from quite a few guys on the current WWE roster that don't have the same personality and charisma as Kamala did. Now, sure. obviously, yeah. you're going to get a much better match nowadays. But yeah, oh, for sure. There's something to be said for that personality and charisma and uh commitment to character that we got back in these days so it's a trade-off i guess yeah and like i said we're gonna, kudos to kamala for staying in character the whole time and just really selling it you know he and, he and Undertaker. this is this is two you know caricatures put up against each other you know there's not it's not like the main event where it's bulldog and Bret right. Hart. you can see an athletic spectacle for half an hour you know this is two you know two cartoons almost put up against but they make it they make it they do it well do a good job. So Undertaker's still living his gimmick up. Paul Bear is doing an excellent job on the outside, as always. You know, giving him power from the urn and all that mm-hmm. stuff, and that's just great. I think Paul Bear's eyebrows here like went in two different directions. So if I remember, like, he clearly had them drawn on, but he had like an extra, like he was like an owl almost. So that's <laughs> great. So, but I wrote the Heenan again at the end. He wrote, he writes, nothing can hurt this man. Or he says, yeah. nothing can hurt this man. So. Um, even though he got three three body splashes from the Garden Giant, he sat up and nothing can hurt him. So we, you know, again, we've only seen his one loss is that roll up by by Hulk Hogan. So um, we haven't seen him lose, you know, yet on pay per view. So. Yep, and he's got to face a tough challenge next month. As uh, you know, you know, part of me wanted to just combine Kamala into one episode, but yeah, next month a- is pretty special because it's the first of uh, one of the Undertaker's signature matches so i think that definitely deserves its own episode to just discuss oh yeah for sure the gimmick yeah. of the coffin match right yeah i, I was think, saying casket match and as i was drinking my notes oh, i'm like no. no 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 no, this is a coffin this i don't know what the difference is oh i will tell you point. what the difference is I, okay there is a difference when I'll, we get there i'll tell you we'll next week them. yeah you tell me when we in uh when we cover survivor series 92 what the difference is that's right so that's next week but as far as this week goes uh, let us know what you thought. Let us know what you thought of this uh, match. Uh, if we missed anything or if you had a, a favorite moment or memory of, of Undertaker and Kamala. Uh, or if you were there. Sam Roberts. Please. Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. He was there. His first show ever was uh, Summer from 92, which is awesome. That's that pretty cool. say that. So kudos to him. That's awesome. Jealous. So, do you think is he one of the guys that was dressed up as Undertaker in the crowd? I, I don't know. There were a few cosplayers out there. There were. There were. Also uh, at Survivor Series, there are several, so a whole row of cosplayers yes. there. I want to talk about that. Their time, yeah. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Talking Taker at Alex Dorio uh, and not at Travis White. Um, but like I said, I always say pass me a long message. I'll I'll spread the word to Twitterless Travis over there. Um, let us know what you thought on iTunes. Give us a rating and subscribe. Um, we've also got our episodes up on YouTube now, if that's your thing and you want to, uh, if that's how you, uh, ingest your podcasts, 
<laughs> that's the right word uh put them up on there um and so let us know what else we can do or any other formats you want to see us or need or we need to be putting stuff out on or we're just a couple of amateurs just having fun doing this so if you got any suggestions we are open to hearing it and open to hearing your opinion and favorite undertaker memories and and all that good stuff but uh until next time I guess go watch Survivor Series. Yeah, go watch Survivor Series 1992 to follow along on this journey. Uh, that's that's it, man. All we gotta do is sure, now brother. is yep and rest in peace. <laughs>